It's now time for On the Line with Cheryl Wilkerson. The conversation will range from local dialogue to international. This show is meant to enlighten, inform, and to inspire. On the Line with Cheryl Wilkerson begins now. Hello and welcome to On the Line. I'm your host, Cheryl Wilkerson. Happy Sunday morning to you. I thank you in advance for joining us today. Another compelling interview going to be brought to you and hopefully you'll learn some stuff, think about some things. Things and, you know, just make us all better people. That's what we're striving to do, be better people. Well, all of us aren't striving for that, but we should be at any rate. So anyway, I'm doing my part to bring it to you today. We welcome to the program a young lady that's put in a whole, whole lot of hard work to make sure that women see the value in themselves. I welcome to the program today an educator extraordinaire, y'all know, I love educators because I believe that they are called uh, Audrey N. Mosley. Welcome to On the Line today. How are you? I am well. Thank you so much for having me. Not a problem at all. How long have you been been in the field of education? Oh, wow. It has been, I don't want to age myself. It has been well over, I would say, 35 years. And how did you know? How did you know that that was where you were supposed to go? Because I've always had a passion for young people and always wanted them to, because young people are our future. And my thing is making sure that our future is great to be able to impart something into them um, to make sure that they're where they want to be, where they want to go, because they're going to be the ones in the bank one day. And we want to make sure that they know how to count the money or they're going to be in the office one day in the doctor's office taking care of us. So just making sure that they get what they need to be the best that they can be. And how have you seen young people change or grow or how have times affected the childhood and the teenhood of young people today? I would say technology has played a big role in how children have changed. Once upon a time during my era, we were outside now children are inside with technology, so they are more advanced with technology. So technology has brought them a long way. It has created a whole lot of positions for children that they have now that we didn't have back then. Cybersecurity was not around back then, mm-hmm. but it's a thing of the thing of today now. So children are into coding and all of that. So you can see where technology has played an important role in advancing not only the community, society, but children as well, too. Because back then we had, what, CDs, the records. Mm-hmm. Now they have what? That's right. <laughs> they don't have that. They're so streaming. They have the MP3 players and all of that. So yeah, streaming, TikTok, all of that, YouTube. And we didn't do that back then. But, so, yeah. But, I see where you are saying that it has, um, it's advanced them. But what about the fact that we had this conversation uh, on the radio station earlier this morning about the fact that children today don't know how to write in cursive? (sighs) Yes, unfortunately, um, 
a few years ago, I'm not sure who the person was, Mm -hmm. decided that teachers no longer needed to teach cursive handwriting. And when I heard that, I was like, there's there's no way that teachers should stop me as an educator when I was in the classroom. I did not stop because they have to sign checks. They They need a signature. So why would you want to take that out of education, stop them from writing, knowing how to write manuscript and say that it's okay when you see them now they can't even write their name in cursive they're trying to they're copying what they see other students do so they see now the value of bringing it back into the classroom because it was it was um, an sol objective Mm -hmm. so now they're trying to bring it back because they see that it's needed and you know I, i i worry about them we had the conversation like i said earlier about cursive writing but some people were saying well they just don't know how to write in in general. And I asked them, I said, what do you mean? They say, well, they'll put a LOL or T-Y. They, don't, they won't write out that laughing out loud or thank you. And I started thinking about that thing. And I was like, oh, my gosh, is that true? Will, will our children not know how to just plain write? Exactly, exactly. And, and and that's so unfortunate. And like um, as a um, school classroom guidance um, counselor, there's one class that I um, teach with our um, fourth and fifth graders called code switching. And I tell the students, I say, when you're with your friends, you can do the code switching. You can do the shorthand on the mm-hmm. technology. You can do when you're texting, you can do that. But when you come into the classroom, you need to code switch and you need to give us what we need in the classroom. So you're going to have to write those words out. So teachers are going to have to, in turn, also follow through with that to make sure that they are instilling into our students that there's a difference between texting and also writing because yes. you one day have to go to college or one day may have to write a, a proposal for a job and you're going to have to know how to write. And so that shorthand is not going to make it when it comes to writing proposals, writing grants, writing essays or theses when you're in college. Mm-hmm. So they see the importance of that now. Good. So, I love that you... What, are, are yeah. on top of that. That's good. And and I just want to caution the parents that there it might be some parents out there that are saying, you know, no big deal because, oh, they've got chat GPT, I think that's what it's called, when they write things for you. But these colleges and universities or whatever, they have programs in place and they know whether you have used that artificial intelligence to write things or whether you actually wrote it yourself. So, you are exactly right, Miss Audrey. You've got to know. Our children have got to know how to read and write. Exactly, exactly, because the, the artificial intelligence, that's, that's, that's plagiarism. Mm-hmm. So I tell the students all the time, you have to have your own authentic self, your own authentic voice, be able to speak and not copy off of someone else. Use your own ideas and put those on paper. I love you know, that you're doing you that. You have to go back and revise and edit. Mm-hmm. I, I, I absolutely, like I said, I do. I love teachers. I hold them in very high esteem. My mother was one, and I just, I'm amazed by teachers. And that's just one hat that you wear. The other hat is as an evangelist, and I would also say the other hat is as an editor, because I have in my hand a book that you edited, Women of Diversity. Do you remember this book? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I remember that book. I remember when that book was in in its inception, when it was in its birthing stage. The um, visionary for the project, um, Dr. Brenda Norman. She's, um, I think, an associate professor, as a matter of fact, at Norfolk State University. Mm-hmm. And she um, she and I attend the same church, Mount Carmel Baptist Church. Shout out to Mount Carmel, Bishop C.V. Russell Jr. and First Lady Pastor Elder Rhonda Russell. Um, but she came to me and she asked me one day. We were in the pandemic and church was still going on okay. in the parking lot. And she said, or just she say, your background is in writing. She said, I, I'm working on this book with these ladies and I want you to edit it for us. So I said, sure, I'll edit the book. So I took it home and we came back to church in the parking lot and I passed her off the papers and she said, you know, the Lord said you are my eighth author because we're talking about oh. new beginnings. I said, new beginnings. I said, Brenda, let me pray about that. So <laughs> I went home and the Lord said, yes, you have a story to tell. So I went from editor to being co-author in the project. And I was just so grateful that she allowed me to be a part of the project because you had eight women who allowed, um, the veil to come down to tell a part of their journey to be able to help someone else along the way. So I was so grateful that I I was able to be a part of Women of Diversity. Had you ever edited before, been an editor before? Well, my my minor at NSU is um, English. Oh, yeah. So okay. as far as writing, and she know that I have a passion for writing, so she know that I was always writing and, and doing things. So she came, that's why she said she came to me and asked me to, to help edit the book. So I was more than, uh, you know, elated that she had asked me to be a part of the project. If you're just joining us, I am speaking with Audrey Mosley, and we're talking about this dynamic book. It's called Women of Diversity, Women Who Have Worked Walk Through the Valley, Women Determined to Walk in Newness, Women Walking in Freedom, and Women Who Trusted the Process. And um, you say the book is only possible because of the healing that these ladies went through. So all of the ladies within the book have gone through something in life. Is that safe to say that? Yes, it's safe to say that they they either they have or someone in their family may have because one of the authors um indirectly wrote about um her mother through her through her eyes, through mm-hmm. her vision mm-hmm. growing up. So it's it's all about what um we saw what we walked through and know that how God healed us through all of that. So it's it's just a beautiful thing and the thing is that that's just one layer because each woman still have a, another story to tell so they can go off on their own and continue to write solo um, in the pro- on their own project. They have their own platform now to speak about, to talk about their healing, what they've gone through since writing the book, since that part of the chapter that they wrote about, you know, mm-hmm. um, happened. So why, it's just... Why is it important? Why was it important to birth this book? Why? To let other people, especially let women know that you're not alone, that um, like we did, we thought we were the only ones that was going through Mm -hmm. the trial. But once we wrote about the trial, once the veil came down and we were able to be um, to be authentic and to, to let people see us and they know, wow, I can connect to you. So it's about making connections, letting other people know, well, they survived this. God healed them through this. So I know that there's healing for me, too, that I can get through this as well, too. 
Now, when you start reading the book, and this is for everybody out there listening, some of the stories might make you a bit um, uncomfortable or maybe sad or Mm -hmm. just maybe feel bad. Uh, But if you if you go through, you will come through on the other end. But what do you say to the people that say, oh, you know what? I started reading the book and I didn't know if I could make it because maybe some things in there hit too close to home. And that's just it. Just think about the writer. I'll I'll, I'll speak for myself. Um, We're so private. Yes. And I know I am. I speak for me. And we don't want people to know because once upon a time, you, your parents say it, what goes on in my house yes, stays ma'am. in my house. <laughs> yes, and so that's, that's like our motto for life. Mm-hmm. And so that was my thing was to not share and to not want to because I just didn't want people to know what I went through. But then the Lord said, no, you tell your story because that's going to help heal someone else. What we go through is not for ourselves. It's for someone else. Mm, and no, yes, slow so, down, so, slow down. You might need to say that one again. <laughs> Might need to what say we that go again. Through in life, mm-hmm. What we go through in life is not for us, but it's for someone else because God's taken us through that growth period. But once we get over, he's going to introduce us or we're going to walk into someone else who may have gone through something similar. And we can say, hey, I survived this. I know you're going to survive this. This is what I did. This is what helped me get over that. So we, what we go through in life is not for us. It's for someone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so bringing these women together do you know did many of them hesitate to say they would contribute to the book did most of them say right away that they would do it because like you said these are personal stories I mean very personal stories and you know some people might have jumped at the chance and some people it might have taken them a while to come around and and that's exactly it when um like I say our visionary um Dr. Brenda Norman when she went to each person and they did they did him and her no one was anxious to tell their story mm-hmm. everyone was was a little hesitant and they said to her i need to get back with you so no one was jumping out a chance to, to because you're talking about airing things that happened to you a lot of personal things that happened that family issues and now it's like the world is going to know once it becomes published mm-hmm. okay everybody knows this about you now so they were kind of hesitant and and wanting to reveal that and I know I was because I have to think about I have two daughters and not wanting making yeah. sure that they were in a safe space to know that this was shared about their mom yeah that's you know, a big so, consideration yeah, sure right we're there protecting, uh-huh, making sure that we're protecting our loved ones at the same time so things that I wrote about that other women wrote about they wanted to make sure that the families and their friends was protected. So they didn't reveal too much, but they revealed enough to share their story. And what has been the feedback from the ladies that contributed to the book? What do they say now? They are so glad that they told their story because once we started doing our initial book launch, and we've done several um, um, book launches, several um, book chats, and each time someone comes up and say, I can connect to you. And so they're like, wow. So someone really did go through or going through now what I'm going through. And so they're able now to see, wow, so it was good for me. It was that I told my story, you know, that I shared. Wow. Mm-hmm. And what has been the response from the community. The community was like, um, 
wow, we didn't know you were going through that because you didn't look like what you were going through. Mm. Um, We're glad you told your story because I know someone that went through that and I can tell them that you, that you made it, that, that you, God healed you. And so I know they're going to be okay as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you expect that you said there would be a follow-up probably individually. Do you think there'll be a collective follow-up? There are some of the authors are, are thinking about, they're considering it. Um, I know um, some of them um, are um, elders and ministers and so that's been like a springboard for um, some of their um, women talk that they've gone to some, um, been invited to some um, women programs and so they've spoken a little about what they've gone through in the book and a little bit more to add to the experience as to what they went through. But some are talking about maybe writing a um, a sequel or sharing more, but they haven't outrightly said that that's what they're working on now. But that seed has been planted. It's been planted. Audrey Mosley, why do you think there is so much emphasis these days on women, women empowerment groups, women brunches, women this, women that? Why is the emphasis so much on women now? Because once upon a time, women were wanted or women were told that we need to um, be seen and not heard, that we didn't have a voice. Um, so we are just as equally important, if not more important, than the man. Now, why would you say that last statement? Because if you think about creation, God created Adam first, mm-hmm. but he knew he needed a help meet. He needed someone to help him with his um, assignment. Mm-hmm. And so therefore he gave him a help meet in order for society to be propel where it needs to go, we all not only need men, but we also need women. And women have voices and we can do, if not the same, we can do things better because God created us for men and women for certain things. Mm -hmm. And so therefore women have a voice. We also have intelligence and we also want to make sure that that's being seen, that that's being displayed. Right. Okay. And do Do you believe or do you think there is a need for men to have such empowerment groups as well? I do, because unfortunately, with a lot of men, um, things happen to them and they are uh, more private than women are. When we did our first initial book launch, there were a few men there. And that's one of the men made that point. He asked if he could speak and he asked. ask the men, how many of you share, like the women share, um, they share their mm. stories about the the um, hurt that they're going through. Are you as private or are, do you go out outrightly speak? And the men had to stop and think and they was like, wow, no, we don't share more. So I think if more men got together to share more, it will be a little bit more healing. They could um, more than likely probably um, advance more. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like women are, because just like women, men also, they're going through things. And I think if they share a little bit more, um, they will be able to heal and further advance themselves as well, too, when it comes to whatever their personal journeys are. They can do that as well, too, to know that I have a brother that I can connect to, um, that I can go and speak and share things with, and that he can help me along the way. So it says each one reach one. But haven't we been sharing uh, in the hair salon and in the barber shops? Is there a difference now? I think in 
because it's a select few in the in the um, hair salon and in the the barber shop, there's a select few mm-hmm. there. But I think we need to advance more to get out more to go outside that circle. So those that's in the barber shop inside the beauty salon, we're having a conversation there. So let's branch out and invite other people into our circle to into the conversation so that we can have so that our we can broaden our circle and make sure that we are reaching more than what's inside the barber um, shop as well as the beauty salon. If you just joining us, I just joined us. I'm talking to Audrey Mosley and we are talking about a book. It's called Women of Diversity. It's a collection of women and they got together and they all told their stories. The book is not a huge, big book that you can't read. You can put it away in a couple of hours. And um, at the end of each story, there's some questions that you should answer, you know, things that you got from that particular story. Whose idea was it to add the reflections? Um, that was my idea to add to add the reflections to to allow the reader to not just read the book but to also reflect back on what you read and write down your thoughts um, that will provoke you to go deep within yourself to say wow okay did this resonate with me did it resonate with someone else that I know of and maybe let's talk about it mm-hmm. and let's help start that healing process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sometimes I think that we have a problem just talking to each other. For instance, if I have a neighbor and, you know, I throw my hands up at the neighbor when I come home before I go in the garage, you know, whatever. And then one day I come home and maybe the neighbor has cars parked and they're blocking my driveway or whatever. It seems as though there's a segment of the population that automatically goes to pick up the phone and call the police. We don't get out of the car. We don't go over and speak. We don't say, hello, how was your day? I was just wondering, could you move the car so I could get in? You know, you see what I'm saying, Miss Audrey? It's like some people just want to bypass the talking and they just want to go to action. And many times that action is uh, aggressive. Let's put it that way. It is, and unfortunately, I think a lot of it is trust, or it may have been not saying that it has been, but it could have been something may have happened to them back in the past. They may have experienced some type of trauma or something back then, and so it could have been reflective of what's going on now. So as opposed to, like you say, going out and say, hi, how are you doing? Can you move your car? You're blocking the driveway. My quick reaction is I'm going to call the police Mm because I don't want to deal with you. Mm Mm-hmm. That's so, and some it. people, some some people, I think because they may be um, introverts, they feel like it's safer. They feel like say it's safer to call the police as opposed to speaking to you because I'm not sure what you're going to say out of your mouth. What you say might offend me, or we might get into a back and forth conversation that may not be good. So, I think the safest thing for me to do is to go into my house, lock my door, and I'm gonna call the police and say somebody's blocking my driveway. And this comes from. A country where neighbors used to look out for one another. You you know, you looked out for each other's children and you looked out for each other's property and you just looked out for each other. And I just wonder how have we got into a place today where that just seems uh, less and less. I have no clue yet. Not only that, we used to leave our doors unlocked, too, mm-hmm. sleep on the porch and leave cars unlocked and everything. But I, I, I don't know. I guess... Um, Things have changed. We know that. And um, people are not as trusting because of things that has has occurred that has happened Mm -hmm. um, across the country. 
thinking about women of diversity, you all should pick up this book. As a matter of fact, Ms. Audrey, tell people right now how they can purchase the book. Well, um, each author has has her um, own books. You can also go to um, Barnes and Nobles. Um, all major bookstores have it online, including Amazon. I think um, Amazon also has it um, has it in a, um, a nook. You can also purchase it from the publisher, Outskirts Press Publishing. So it is available at all major bookstores, including Amazon, online. It's not in the stores that not. Um, directly, but you can order them online from all major bookstores. So that's Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, um, whoever ha- sell books, our books are there. Now, uh, do you want to actually name the authors that did contribute to the book? I most certainly do. I would okay. not leave this call without <laughs> stating their names. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Again, the visionary behind um, this um, Women of Diversity is um, Dr. Brenda Norman. Again, she is an um, associate um, professor over at NSU in the social work department. Mm-hmm. We also have um, Elder Brenda Jones, a.k.a. Lady B. We also have Minister Rosie Maria Thomas. We have Rosetta Johnson, Evangelist Carolyn Mackey Perry. We have Gail McPherson Mizell, Tanina Simmons, and again, our visionary, which is Elder Dr. Brenda Norman and myself, yours truly, Audrey Mosley. So again, um, shout out to um, to Dr. Brenda Norman for just being a visionary and being obedient to God and um, following through with what he asked her to do was to get eight women together and to come up with this project to tell their story. You know, it is remarkable because I think what blows me away and especially when I was reading it is I don't know if I would be so courageous as to tell some of the information that you find in the book. But like you said, it 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 wouldn't be for me. It would be for someone that was reading the book. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And you you have to everything goes back. It goes back to Romans 8 and 28. It says, and we know that all things work together Mm -hmm. for the good to them that love God, that know him, Mm -hmm. okay, and those things that are called according to his purpose. So everything that we've gone through has been for his good, is for his glory, Mm -hmm. because the ultimate goal is for him to get the purpose out of everything that we've gone through. Mm. It's something else. I would I would advise everybody to pick it up. And before I let you go, we only have a few minutes left. I am just wanting to thank you once again for what you've done with this book. I'm wanting to thank you once again for going into a classroom every single day, taking these young minds, no matter what they have been through the day before, the night before, the week before, you're getting them all collected in one room. And you are imparting knowledge and wisdom and giving them the tools that they need. And when I tell you everybody doesn't have that gift, I am being completely sincere. Everybody cannot do what you are doing. And I, for one, will always be amazed by teachers. Thank you. Thank you. It's it's the heart work. It's compassion work. It is. It is completely compassion and hard work. You have to love what you do, and if you love what you do, it will be effective. You'll see that in in the children. You'll see that because the thing of it is they light up when they know that they're learning. They light up when you know that that 
they know that you care. So they know that you're committed to them, dedicated mm-hmm. to them, and they feel safe. I was going to I was going to ask you to withhold the names, of course, but just tell me one quick time where a student might have been so-so and how you knew the moment you knew that you had them. What, what, what was that like? That was, it was, to me, it was like Christmas. It, it, it was like receiving that biggest Christmas present. You have this student who is so hard because he's gone through so much, mm-hmm. endured mm-hmm. so much trauma, mm-hmm. and he came in, and when he let his veil down, when he let his guard down and realized you keep coming back every day, I'm going to be right here for you. You keep coming back every day giving me what you're giving me, I'm going to keep giving it right back to you. Mm. And I'm going to let you know that I love you, so you just might as well go ahead on and and know that I'm here for you. I'm not going anywhere. So when you come in and I know that you know that I care, that you're going to do what you're going to do, and and that's what they do. They excel because they know that you care. To walk down the hallway and that student who really didn't care for you come up and give you a hug, oh, that's 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 like a Krispy Kreme donut melting in your mouth. You know? <laughs> I so love that's, it. That's the part that gets me right there when they come in and they give you that hug and it's like, Wow, this kid really, really does know that I care about him. Yeah, and her. I guess that many of them have had to put up a wall because of the lives the life they've had to leave, they had to put up a wall. And then when they realize that they don't have to put up that wall with you anymore, just like you're describing how joyous it is, I'm sure that child feels that joy as well. Exactly, exactly. Not only the children, but the parents also know that we're here for them too. Well, I just want to thank you, Audrey Mosley. You have been a great guest today. Like I said, author, editor, evangelist, educator, just all of that. Thank you for doing what you're doing in our community. I salute you. Oh, you're so welcome. You are so welcome. You're so welcome. I want to thank everybody who tuned in today. Don't forget to pick up the book, Women of Diversity, and it's Outskirts Press. Outskirts Press. And you all have a terrific Sunday. The rest of your day, enjoy yourself. Be kind to somebody. As my coworker always says, be great humans. You all take care. As I always say, behold the green and gold.